Thank you. Thank you to Czech Debate, who came onto this podcast this week to speak about the truths of being a footballer. He is an incredibly talented young man. Currently playing for Exeter City Football Club, he's breaking into the first team more regularly. And we had what can only be described as a deep, dark and honest conversation about what it's really like to be a footballer the mental health struggles, what it's like playing in front of the big bank, the criticism, the social media. It It's certainly been one of my favourite conversations to date and I can't wait for you to listen to this. He is a truly, truly humble guy. One of the nicest, kindest guys I've ever had the privilege of speaking to and his story deserves to be told. I am so grateful. So without further ado, I'm Liam Chick. Let's dive into episode six of The Online Disruptor. So Chick, thanks very much for coming on the podcast, mate. Um, certainly an honour. First thing I want to start with is obviously you you did grow up in South London. There's this conception, isn't there, that South London's a very, I don't know if this is a nice way of putting it, but a rough area, like it's it's crime, gun crime, all that sort of stuff. You're a very humble guy. Almost, if I didn't do the research, I wouldn't know, know you were from South London. What was your like experience with that? How did you, how did you find Um, living there? So, obviously, I've lived there my whole life. I was born there, born and raised there. Um, to be fair, when you know when you're living in a place like that, yeah, <clears throat> um, it's not like I would say like it doesn't really phase you. Like it's more like on the it's more like seeing it from the outside. Um, but obviously, like when when I grew up or whilst I was growing up, I was never involved in that type of stuff. Anyways, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's always when it's always when when you're involved and when you're like in that type of life, then obviously you're more you're more you're more prone to like getting into that type of trouble. Do you know what I mean? But if you're focused, like I was, and you know I was just at school, my head was in the books, um, and outside of school it was just football. Um, you don't really get into them issues, but then again there is a danger of you just slipping into that because you could be walking one day. And then someone could decide to try rob you, and then that could that could turn out wrong, and then you could you could end up getting stabbed. You know, it, it, stuff like that always happens. Do you know what I mean? Um, or you're out with your friends, and a fight ends up breaking out, and then the other group of people, someone's got a knife on them. Like things like that always happen in London. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just about it's just about knowing where to be, um, and knowing that you knowing what places you shouldn't be at, at at specific times. So, for example, I wasn't the type of person to to just roam around the streets and do nothing. Because if you're, if you're doing that, then you've got a greater chance of, you know, getting into, like, bad situations. So, for me, when I was out, it was literally just school, football training, and that was it. Or my mum sending me to Tesco or something, or Sainsbury's to get some, to get some food for... Um, that was the only time I was really out. Or... You know, sometimes me and my friends would go out, but I knew when living in a place like London, you need to know like 
how to stay away from from stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's I, I just knew how to not get involved in in things like that. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. What what sort of kid were you? What what sort of kid were you like at school? Were you a well behaved kid? Were you a troubled kid? Yeah, I'll say I'll no, I'll say I was well behaved. To be fair, um, when I was like in primary school, I was very very shy. Um, I wouldn't say low on confidence, but I was just like a quiet person. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like if I didn't know you, then I wouldn't like be able to like speak to you properly. But I think as I as I uh, as I grew up and as I got older, um, I started to become more like outspoken and more like confident and stuff like that. Coming into secondary school, you know, I was experiencing different things. I was you know doing different stuff um, and. Secondary school, I think there was a bit, I would say like year 10, year 9 and some bits of year 11, I started to lose focus in school a bit, like just messing around, you know what I mean, not not taking school seriously, um, all the stress of like GCSEs and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I think when you're at that age, yeah, um, you don't really take life that seriously for some reason, more me, that was for me personally. Um yeah, I just didn't, I wasn't, I just wanted to have fun, basically. I was just going to school and messing around most days when I was in that like, year 10. Um, but then obviously year 11 came, you do your GCSEs and then that's when it, that's when it kind of hits you, to be honest. Did you get good results? I mean, I left school at 14, so I have like no GCSEs. Um, so uh, and anything's good results compared yeah. to me, but how, how old did you do? I got, your... I got, I got, I got decent results. I failed maths. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been rubbish at maths. I don't maths is just not my thing. I can't anything to do with numbers is just my brain goes blank, do you know what I mean? Um, I failed yeah. maths and I failed science as well. Apart from that, I, I passed everything else. I've done history, geography, um PE, French, because I'm fluent in French as well. So that was easy. Um English, I was I was always good at English, but maths and science were just two subjects that didn't go well with me. I can't even lie to you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I, you mentioned about this focus and then obviously you mentioned your mum as well. Was she yeah. a big like influence in making sure that you, you almost didn't go off the wrong path? Yeah, my mum, personally, yeah, my mum was the, she probably like the biggest like um, role model in, in my whole life because ever since, ever since I can remember, yeah, as far back as I can remember, she was always on me, on my brother and on my sister from, from day one, you know, when it came to even little things like homework, you know, just making sure we'd done that on time. She was on to us about that. So there was never a time where we where we missed that homework. We missed we missed like the due date of homework. Very like um it wasn't often that we did that, but also like other stuff, like I said, like going out, we had curfews. My mum always gave me a curfew every time I went out. Um I think up to like year 10, my curfew was 6pm. Can you imagine that? Wow. Yeah, 6pm. <laughs> so my mum, that's how you know my mum was just strict. So, and then when I got to year 10, obviously my mum started trusting me enough. She was like, you know, yeah, I can trust him. And then my end, my, my curfew ended up being 9pm. So even that, that's not even late. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, up to year 10, my curfew was 6pm. By 6pm, we had to be in the house. <laughs> and... But also my dad as well, like, my parents were just both strict, do you know what I mean? Um, but I think they were just like that because they knew, like, the dangers of growing up 
in in just in South London and the dangers of being out and just wandering about and you know obviously knowing that um, on the streets there's bad influences and we do come from an estate where it's got a lot of history of like knife crime and you know there's a lot of people roaming around the streets who have nothing to live for and they're just out there to cause harm. Um, my parents knew this, so they didn't want us yeah. to be in any trouble. They didn't want us to get caught up in that. Um, and they were always on us about having the right friends as well. Yeah. And making yeah. sure that we was surrounded by people who would improve us as people and just help us as well. And people who were good people themselves. Um, so no, my mum, especially, and my father as well, were on us from <laughs> from from day one. Nice. What what do you reckon the like this is a big question because I live down here in Exeter. I believe you're 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 down this way now as well. We we don't really see this down here. But what do you reckon like the big thing, the big reason there's a load of knife crime going on up in London? Do, nothing to you mentioned nothing mm-hmm. to live for. Do you reckon yeah. that's it? Um, that's that. Yeah, that's a big question, you know, because there's just a lot of reasons. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, London has a huge population compared to other places in the UK, but also, um, I would say like you know, some some kids and some youngsters just don't see, they don't see any potential in their lives or in themselves. I'd say that's one of the issues. They feel like they don't have opportunities and stuff like that um and also just you know there's a lot it's it it stems from a lot of things you know what i mean it's not it's not just one thing there's so many like reason there's so many reasons to to why this is going on um but obviously knife crime can happen anywhere do you know what i mean because you can easily just get a knife from your kitchen and go and stab someone um but the reason to why people become gang members and stuff like that, that's that's just something, you know, there, there's there's so many reasons. People join the road life and become roadmen for so many different reasons. It's not just one. Um so so yeah. yeah, and it all comes down to like having a focus. If you've got a focus from 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 a young age and a good focus as well, I think you're good. But then if you're just a kid that, you know, that comes from a broken family, let's say um, not not a lot of role models in in your family as well, um, and you know you're you're just constantly surrounded by bad people. Then eventually you're gonna you're gonna turn out like that as well. Yeah, and and you mentioned this thing about role models. You you've obviously you're playing for Exeter City. You've come from from South London. You're breaking more and more into the first team. You're you're growing all this sort of stuff. Do you, do you want to be a role model for these these kids in South London? And and did you have any role mo- role models growing up? Anyone you looked up to from from like um, the ends? Yeah, hundred percent. I want to be a role model because I know there's just a lot of families that that have suffered um, due to knife crime and stuff like that. My family included, we've suffered, um, and I just want I just want to help as many young people as I can you know, and especially from places where I grew up as well. Um, uh, because, you know, some, like I, like you said as well, like I said, I had role models growing up, so like my mum, my dad, um, and I, I wouldn't say like my cousins or anything like that were role models, but I would say my mum and my dad. Um, 
I had I did have an older cousin, but he's not from London. He's from he's from France, isn't it? So that's kind of like not not really relevant to this. But mm. I just want to be someone that that's an example for these for these young people in the future. Um, do you know what I mean? And that's why um, a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of youngsters that are from the estate do message me, and you know they say they look up to me and things like that. Helps me a lot. Um, because that's that's one of my goals in life to be a role model. I always grew up um, being a role model to my younger brother and younger sister as well, um, and just showing them how to be responsible. And I, I felt like I felt like it was always like my duty in a way because I, I, I'm the oldest out of three, um, and from coming from like a culture like 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 our culture the oldest is always the role model and the oldest always needs to show the young ones um how to live properly and you know what i mean so i've always been like that from from a young age i've always wanted to be a role model i've always wanted to amount to something i've always wanted to do something with my life um and i've always wanted to help other people as well um so yeah i am hoping to become like a role model for many people that grow up in these in these areas and many for many people that have these issues um just exactly like Jaden sancho and you know reese nelson all coming out of south london you know tammy abraham these are all big huge role models to us um mm. and i want to be like them to be honest of course and and you mentioned you you always wanted to be something and then you're obviously fortunate enough to be like a footballer right you're a, you're a pro footballer and let's be honest most kids most young kids probably most adults want to be footballers you're you're very fortunate to be one looking from the outside how did yeah. your like um footballing journey start it started when you were six I think I read didn't I yeah like around the age of five or six but you know when you're just playing like for fun in like your estate for example um, it started off like that, um, and just playing in my in, in my sitting room, breaking like the lights and the cups and stuff like that. I remember, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I was just beg. I remember begging my mum and my father to 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 play for a Sunday league team. I just remember, and I remember my mum searching up um, Sunday league teams um, near to us. Um, we found out we found a lot of Sunday league teams. And my mum ended up choosing a, a club called Ballon Blazers, which okay. is a club in, in Ballon, South London, South West London. And I went there. Did I go for a trial? I don't even remember. But I was the age of, I think I was eight years old, eight or nine, because I was in the under nines. Um, and yeah, that was my first time playing with like a proper team. Um, I joined them, you know, done a full season with them and I ended up staying with them until I was under 14 yeah my last season with Bannon Blazers was when I was under 14 and during that whole time you know I was getting scouted by a couple clubs as well um so I think I think there and then I just found something that I felt like I was good at and something that I could you know just just pursue you know what I mean um I had the focus um and that was what my mum wanted so I think I feel like I always wanted to be a footballer anyways, do you know what I mean? Just like any other kid. And then when I got to the age of fourteen I decided to leave Bannon Blazers because I wanted to sign for an academy. Uh and I was fourteen years old and I saw 
all these other people signing for academies and I was just still in Sunday League. Uh, I sat, I ended up signing for Sutton United. Okay. Um, I think they was I think they was in the National League at that time, and I done one season there and I got scouted by Stevenage, and they was in League Two, so I decided to go and then I done a, I think my trial at Stevenage was like a month, and I ended up signing for Stevenage. Stevenage was a very hard experience for me because I was travelling far. You know, so I'm from South London and Stevenage is in Hertfordshire. So it's like north of London basically. Um so I was leaving I was leaving school early to get to training and I would get back home so late as well. Do you know what I mean? And on top of that I was getting ready ready for my GCSEs as well. So it was so hard, it was fatiguing. Um at Stevenage I ended up picking up an injury. I was out for two months. I sprained my ligament in my in my ankle and I didn't get offered a scholarship at the end of that so I got released and again that was a tough moment but I feel like that time just gave me more motivation for some reason it didn't really bring me down because I was like I had a lot of self-belief and I had a lot of confidence um, and I just knew that I had to be patient so I went I decided to go to the exit trials Stevenage entered me in the exit trials in Guildford and <clears throat> so many players that got released from academies um, across the country came to these exit trials and I ended up playing very well. Uh, and on the way home, I got called by Dan Kelly, who was the ex Exeter City Scout for the academy, I think. And he just called us, called my mum, introduced himself and he was just like, yeah, we like the look of Czech. We want him to come down for a trial. We didn't know how long the trial would be, but he did say like three days and then they would like sit down and think about what they wanted to do, whether they wanted another trial or mm. do you know what I mean? So I ended up coming down on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday night. And I remember being so scared as well on the way to Exile because <laughs> I'd never been to Devon. I didn't know a single person there. Yeah. yeah. And it was a four hour journey on the train. So I was thinking I'm going to another country here. <laughs> that's what I thought I was thinking I'm leaving home and I'm not even I'm going to Devon which is in the UK but I know it's not in the UK this must be another country because it's so far away <laughs> it's, a it's a little island apparently that's what people who come like from abroad say it's so far away from the UK even though it's not it's in the UK yeah it's, it's just far it's far from everything but anyways I'm on the train and that's that's the only thing in my head I'm thinking oh my days what have what have I got myself into? You know, bearing in mind before they before before Dan Kelly called me, I didn't even know where Exeter was. I didn't even know Exeter was a place. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I, I heard the Devon uh because one of my one of my primary school teachers was from Cornwall. Um and I remember her showing us a map and then her just saying, Yeah, this is Devon and then Cornwall. But that's the only that's the only way I knew where Devon was. Um so I'm on the train, I get to Exeter Central, yeah? Yeah, yeah? And I get off the train and I'm looking around and it's at 8pm. So obviously, as a London boy, being used to London, when at 8pm, yeah, in London, it's still lively, there's still a buzz. You know, you see the buzz, you see the buses, you see the planes flying ahead, helicopters, whatever, taxis, cars. It just feels like, it, it just feels lively. You feel the energy. I'm in Exeter, I think I saw like one car um, drive past 
and I saw one or two people and I'm thinking, where is everyone that? Like, I was thinking, this is a ghost town. <laughs> Mate, you've got, you've got one man and a dog. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just thinking, nah, I was so scared. I'll be honest with you. Like, I was thinking, where is everyone? It, it seemed like all the shops were closed and I, I felt like so out of place. Do you know what I mean? I, I felt like I didn't belong there because I was so used to living in London my whole life and then to, to come into somewhere like this. And then Dan Kelly came, you know, he dropped me to, to where I was staying. I'd done a session the next day and then on the Friday and then we played Bournemouth on the Saturday. And after the game, they were just, I think they were just very impressed with what they saw um, in, in, in those couple of days. And then they, they just told me, yeah, we want to offer you a scholarship. I was so shocked to be honest, that it was that quick. I thought they was going to say, yeah, we want to offer you like a, a month's trial or something or a two-week trial. Um, but I was over the moon. Of course I was because I searched up the history of the club as well. Um, at that time, I think Ethan Ampadu just signed for Chelsea. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I knew about Oli Watkins as well. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow, like this, this is a very good club. How have I not heard about this club? Um and I was just like, yeah, I want to. I literally the, said, I want to sign with you guys straight away. The audacity! You've never heard of Exeter City before you came down here. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's disrespectful, <laughs> mate. I'm yeah. going to use that as a bit of clickbait. Czech doesn't know who Exeter City are. <laughs> nah, I know, I know. That's poor. That's poor. But that's poor. But it's just because. Exit is just so far from, from everything that it's I just it, didn't it, even know it existed. It is. It's so far yeah. from reality. And to be fair, if Ollie Watkins and Ethan Ampadu and I think Matt Grimes as well, he's gone to Swansea, haven't done so well, the chances are a lot of people wouldn't have wouldn't have heard of us unless they... Yeah, but the weird, you know, the weird thing is, yeah, when I went back to London and I told everyone I got signed by Exit City... It's like everyone knew who Exeter City was. Do you know what I mean? So that was weird. Just, for example, I was telling my friends, my teachers, they was telling me, yeah, bro, you know Exeter City? Like, have you heard about Ethan Ampadu, Ollie Watkins? I was thinking, so you guys do know about Exeter City? So I think it was just me personally, but everyone knew, like, you know. Um, and obviously with the, with the Ampadu move, I think Exeter started to, like, go around, you know, the name Exeter City started to go around Ethan Ampadu. So everyone started to know more about Exeter City, to be fair. Because when I went back, everyone was kind of talking about Ampadu in a way. So, yeah, yeah. Um, just going back a, a bit, um, I obviously know what it is because I've been fortunate enough to referee these. But for people who don't know, what, what are the exit trials? Uh, the exit trials is like, so it's for 16-year-olds, yeah, who get released from their clubs and their clubs basically enter them into the exit trials. So they've got different venues all over the country. So they've got one in Guildford um, and a couple more in the south. And then they've got some in the north for the northern clubs. Um, and what it is, is that you come, to a, you come to a venue, yeah, with other academy players that have been released. So your parents drop you, they come with you. And then they put you in random teams. Like, they call your name out. Um, you're all sitting down in, like... Uh, a, a seating area they call your name out you follow like your coach for the day and then you're playing you're playing with people that you might have played with before or against before but you don't really know them um, they give you like an old kit so I think when I was at the exit trials we wore like one of the old QPR kits um, 
and you just play like a couple games. So like I think that day I played like four, four or five games, and scouts are literally on the sides just watching with a notepad, um, writing down notes and stuff like that. And I just remember seeing a lot of clubs. I saw Bristol Rovers. I saw um, who else did I see? I think I saw Bournemouth. I saw so many clubs, um, Oxford, and. At the end of the trials, the scouts give like a, a paper to to like the organizers, and then they give the organizers give like the scouts your details, so like your your mum's number and your name and stuff like that. So then they can contact you afterwards, and that's how it basically works. Nice. Um, so if you play well, then yeah, you will get an opportunity somewhere else. You you must have um you must have done really well then. Uh, how old were you when Stevenage released you? Sorry, I was fifth. I I was fifteen. I was just about to turn sixteen. Right. So you wouldn't have experienced. It would just been like a scholarship you were going into. Not like what's the difference? Sorry, between a scholarship and going between into a scholarship and pro. Yeah, yeah. Um. So a scholarship is like from under sixteen to under eighteens. And right. in a way, right. in a way, it's basically you proving yourself to the club you're at and proving to them that you're able to play in their first team and you're able to become a professional footballer. Right. And then you're also doing, like, education as well. So you're doing, like, sports education. Um, and that's that's really what a scholar is. And you're just playing for the 18s in the league. Um, they've also got, like, a league cup. And then in the FA Youth Cup as well. So... I would say that a scholarship is like the main way or the main pathway in England, in the UK, to become a professional footballer. I remember when I was that age, literally all the footballers I knew were fighting to get scholarships at any club that they could. Um, and, you know, that was at that age, that's your biggest concern. Oh, am I going to get a scholar? You know, if I get released, am I going to get a scholarship at another club? And so it is, it is a big thing, you know, getting a scholarship, I think. Yeah, 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 of course. And obviously, you've been on on loan a number of times. You've been to Buckland. I think you only played one game there, didn't you? Because that was over COVID. You've been Bitterford as well. Yeah. You, I, you, did you play for Bitterford or just once? Or nah, no? I didn't. I was in a squad. I was on the bench, and then Exeter decided to take me out after that. <clears throat> right, and then Tiverton as well. Um, yeah. Did you play? Did you play for them or? I played. Uh, I played a couple games for Tiverton, yeah, but I don't think I started a single game there. Right. And then I think no. the one that sort of made or break to you was um, Truro, wasn't it? That's the one that you are at before you got recalled. What was your... um? I can't really imagine how it would feel. How did you feel being sent out on loan so many times? Did Was, um, there, was there a thought that uh, maybe I won't make it here, maybe I won't get an opportunity, or was it a positive? No, I was I was happy that I went out on loan because that's the way that's the way Exeter works. Do you know what I mean? Um, so for example, players like Josh Key, Joel Randall, Harry Cat, Jordan Bell, literally all the players that come through the academy end up going out on loan at some point in their first year or their second year. Um, and I knew like I knew why they were sending me out on loan. They wasn't sending me out on loan to get me out of the way. They they right. were sending me out on loan to get experience. Um. So I kind of, I kind of knew, yeah. If you do well on loan, you will have a better chance of making it into the first team. 
So no, nah, I, I had, I didn't have a single negative thought about going out on loan. Um, and like I said, that's how Exeter works. You know, sending out their players early to local non-league clubs to get for, um to get men men's football experience, and then coming back better. Um, and obviously at that point, I was I only played under 18s football as well, and I wanted to go out and experience men's football. Uh, so going out to Truro in pre-season, I wanted to make sure that I was the first the first name in the starting eleven for Paul Watton, who's the gaffer over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I ended up like getting my spot in that defence, and I, I would say I was a key player in that defence as well. Uh, so I played. I played every game, um, but I didn't. There was a couple of games I was injured. Um, I think I only missed like two games for Truro because of injury. Uh, but yeah, going on loan was the thing that helped me the most this season um, in terms of breaking into the first team. I feel like if I didn't go out on loan, then I wouldn't be playing in the first team now. So going out on loan was, was huge for me. Yeah, of course. And then... Obviously, I think it's Sutton that comes around, wasn't it? Uh, I think COVID hit, injuries hit the squad. How did you... So you were recalled, weren't you? I think it was December you were recalled or or somewhere thereabouts. Yeah, you, you I was recalled in December. Yeah, you were meant to be on a season loan, weren't you? Um, how did you find out that you were coming back? How did I know I was coming back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, how so... did you know you were in the match day uh, squad? For Sutton. So, what happened was Alex Hartridge and Pierce Sweeney got injured. So, Matty needed Matty needed me to to get recalled in a way um, to fill that gap. But for some reason at that time, I was just telling myself, "Nah, he's they're not going to recall me. They want to just keep. They're going to want to keep me out on loan." Um, so I remember just training. Um, we was meant to have a game for Truro, me and Ellis Johnson, because we was both out alone there, but it got cancelled. So what happens is when a game gets cancelled, when a game gets cancelled for your loan club, you need to go in and do your own that runs. So we went in when no one was in basically, and we was doing running on the Astro Turf at the Cat and Fiddle. Yeah, yeah. Whilst I was running, Matty Taylor drives down in his in his car. And I'm seeing this and I'm thinking, why why the hell is Matty driving down to the AstroTurf? <laughs> you're you're and, getting fired in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but when, when I saw that, I kind of thought, yeah, he's coming to tell me I'm getting recalled. So I was doing my running. Matty comes out of his car and comes to the side and he like stops me and he's like, oh, check, how are you doing? You know, da, 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 da. we're going to recall you. And at that point, I was just—I remember—I was just so excited when he just said, "We're gonna recall you." I was just so happy, um, and he was like, "Yeah, we think you're ready for this opportunity." Obviously, you know, Pierce and um, Pierce and Al got injured, um, so I was like, "Yeah, cool, cool, cool." Um, when 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 the gaffer's telling you stuff like this, you gotta play it cool. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you yeah, can't yeah. show too much excitement. You gotta be professional. Um, so yeah, then he drove away, and I remember I was so excited. I went, I was in the gym that day, and I was just like jumping around. I was, I felt like I had so much energy all of a sudden. Um, so I wasn't even meant to make my debut at Sutton. I was meant to make my debut at Port Vale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what happened was Port Vale ended up getting postponed because of COVID. 
Um, I remember that was when like <clears throat> there was a whole new spike of just COVID cases, um, and COVID was going mad at this point in time. And then the next game after that was Swindon, I think, on Boxing Day at home. And yeah, yeah. again, I was meant to play in that, but again, it got postponed because of COVID. So then I was, I was just glad. I was, I was telling myself, so really and truly, I got recalled for nothing because I'm not even going to play. I'm not even going to make my debut. And then there was another game after that I was meant to play, but I forgot who it was against. That got cancelled as well. So uh, you imagine how I was feeling. I was feeling so annoyed. I was like, so all these games are getting cancelled. I might not even make my first team debut now. Um, yeah. And then Sutton, which is which was on the what what day was that? Was it New Year's Day? Yeah, New Year's Day, I think. And yeah, yeah, it was the one after I remember, Swede, I remember, Swindon, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember Matty Taylor saying, yeah, this game is definitely going to be on. So, you know, I was just, I remember that whole week, the build-up, I was just praying that this game was on. Um, and then when it hit Thursday, that's when I knew, yeah, this game is definitely on. And then we travelled on the Friday and obviously was in the hotel. I wasn't nervous at all, you know, the day before. I didn't have no nerves. It's just when I got to sleep... I had the worst night of my life. Yeah. <laughs> that was the longest night of my whole entire life. <laughs> like, I can't describe it. I, I was sleeping, but I wasn't sleeping at the same time. Like, my my body was asleep, but my mind was just awake. Um, yeah, yeah. And I remember I actually had dreams about that game. Yeah, I had, like, two dreams about the game. I was just thinking about what I was going to do in the game. Um and my mind was just so switched on. I had so much adrenaline. I just couldn't get to sleep. Um, and I remember what it didn't help because it was New Year's. It was New Year's Eve, yeah. And I just heard fireworks popping off as well. So I couldn't even get to sleep because of the fireworks as well. Because that, I, I could just hear fireworks in the distance popping off. That's the certain fans trying to keep you up, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you... so, yeah. Um, I wake up. And I can feel it in myself that I'm knackered. Do you know what I mean? I know I'm just tired. Um, yeah. And I start, I start, I'm scared now as well because I'm thinking I didn't have a good night's sleep. How am I going to be able to play well? Um, I remember walking down for breakfast. And I just felt so knackered. But the thing that kept me up was my adrenaline. I had so much adrenaline. It was unbelievable. Um, I, had, I was having breakfast. We went, we went for a walk. We got to the ground. And funnily enough, I used to play for Sutton United, like I said. And yeah, yeah. that was the pitch where I used to do my training sessions, where I used to play my home games, because it used to be a 3G pitch. So a lot of teams were playing on this on at this ground as well. Um so it was it was kind of good to you you know be back be back where I where I used to play um as a youngster and also in South London as well. Um so I was making my debut at home, basically. Yeah, yeah. Did, did your parents come down? Uh, yeah, my parents came down. My 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 brother, my sister, and my agent came down. Nice. Um, and the only time nerves actually hit me was when I came out for the warm up because that's when I saw all all the Exeter City fans, you know, cheering us when we come out. And I was thinking, oh my days, I'm here now. Like this is it. That's all I was thinking. Like this is it. This is your debut. This is your League Two League Two debut. Um, the moment you've been waiting for, basically. Um, so we're doing the warm-up and 
I'm so nervous inside. I could just feel nervous um, and I feel so knackered as well. My body just feels tired. But my mind's not tired. My mind's not tired. It's just my body. Uh, we come up for the game. Um, I'm trying to get in the mood. You know, I feel, I feel all right, but I do feel very tired as well at the same time. Um, and I was nervous for like the first five minutes of that game. But once you do like, or once you make your first header, your first pass, your first clearance, um, and you start moving around a bit, then, then you feel right, do you know what I mean? And then, obviously, I ended up cramping up at the 66, 66th minute, um, which was unfortunate because I wanted to play a full 90. But <laughs> I just think everything just caught up to my body and, yeah, my, my calf just went and it stopped working. So <laughs> Yeah, of course. How, out of curiosity, do you know you're starting the game, like, before or is it, like, in a WhatsApp group? Yeah. Or do, you, do you find out on the day? How does that work? No, nah, you you know you're starting the game. You know you're starting the game like two days before the game. Um, so I I knew I was starting the game on Thursday. I knew I was starting the game, but I also knew I was starting because I knew that I was the only centre half available. It was only me and um, Sam Stubbs that were available to play. Um, so in a way, I kind of knew. Yeah, you're definitely starting anyways because there's only two centre halves that can play. Because um, I remember at that time. The squad was like very depleted. We didn't have George Ray, we didn't have Pierce Sweeney and Alex Hartridge. So the only centre halves left were me and Stubbsy. So I knew straight away, yeah, you're starting. Um, but on a normal day, yeah, you get told that two days before that you're starting. Um, right. So of course that gives you like enough time to, you know, prepare mentally and physically. Um, you say that, do you reckon you would have, obviously you sort of know, but say there was, say Sweeney was fit and all this sort of stuff and it was you and him up against each other. Do you reckon if they hadn't told you, you would have had a better night's sleep on the Friday? Mm, yeah, I reckon I would have, yeah, because I would have been more at ease. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't have been on my mind as much. But when you know you're starting and you know it's your first game in the Football League, yeah, that's when you're just going to think about it, do you know what I mean? But if it's a thing where they're like, no, we're going to tell you guys on the day, then, yeah, you're more at ease. But then again, you you still know that there's a chance that you might start as well, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, you're still, you're, it's still in your mind anyways. Um, so, even, I would say I would, I would have had a better sleep, but that's, that's only what I think. Um, because I don't know, I'm, I, I don't really know, you know. Because it's still in your head in a way, because you don't know if you're starting or not. But you've still got to do the things that you, you've got to do, the things that you do normally before a game to get prepared for the game. So in a way, like, it's probably, it'll, it'll prob it would have probably been the same, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Right, so let's talk about your your match day routine or Exeter Cities. I don't know if it's much different. I, I presume like a lot goes into this, right? And I guess it's a bit different for fans like me and others who are in the like Big Bank and and whatnot. We rock up an hour before the game, we see the warm up, and then we watch the game and go home. I presume a lot more goes into a, a pre match and and match day routine. What what does your match day routine look like? Um, so every every single player has their own match day routine. Do you know what I mean? Um, some players are like very superstitious. I don't believe in superstition personally, but so many people do 
like they have to make sure that they do certain things before the game. Otherwise, they feel like they'll have a bad game. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So me personally, before a game, I just need to make sure that I've got the right food in me um, the day before and on the day of the game. Um, hydration as well is huge for me. Um, sleep is another important thing. I need to make sure I have at least minimum seven hours of sleep um, the day before a game, the night before a game. Um, and I always make sure that I stretch the night before as well um, because I like, I feel like when I stretch and I'm not talking about just quick stretching, I'm talking about like deep stretching and being holding positions for like a good minute and stuff like that because I like to make sure that my muscles are free from anything and they feel like loose and they feel good. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Also, before game, I do pray a lot. So I'm a Muslim um, and nice. my faith is the biggest thing to me in life. Um, so I do pray a lot. I pray about the game. I ask God for help. I ask him to give me strength, to give me the stamina, the speed, um, everything. Do you know what I mean? I ask him to help me score a goal, to help us get the win. Um, I ask him for anything, basically. Um, I would say that's my that's my match day routine. On the day of the game, I don't like having a huge breakfast. Sometimes I don't even have breakfast. Um, sometimes it's literally just a hot drink and that's it. And then some days it's just like, you know, maybe like a toast or just a bit of cereal, not too much, or fruits, for example. Um, and then... For like lunch or pre-match, as we call it, I would have a bit of pasta because obviously pasta's carbohydrates, slow release. Um, it gives you energies. Uh, it gives you energy. Um, and that's about it. And then before a game, I would I would have like electrolytes, which is like a powder that you put in water, which helps you. It stops you from getting cramp and it hydrates you quicker and stuff like that. So I make sure I have one of them before the game. Um, also like the energy gels I have that um, after when do I have that again I have that one one before the game as we're about to walk out and then one at half time as well um, and I'll say that's it yeah and then in the change room before we go out um, for the game I also do some more prayers as well in my head um, and yeah that's that's it that's it do you do you because in I've played Sunday League, totally different standard. I must just say League Two and then Devon and Exeter Sunday League. We have like a massive boombox with speakers and we all have like um, a Spotify playlist. Do, do you have that at your level? Yeah, we've got that, but it's only one person. That's Normally it's always Sam Stubbs that's on the music. Right. Um, he's always the one on the music. Um, and I think the reason for that is because Stubbs, he has like, he lacks all types of genres. He doesn't just like one. So, you know, he's got a bit of rap. He's got a bit of house music. He's got all types of music. Um, so he just plays that and he puts what he wants, to be honest. But I think Stubbs is a very good DJ, to be fair. Um, but there's this one there's this one song, yeah, that he plays just before we're about to walk out. And I don't know what it's called, yeah. But <laughs> uh, I, think, I, think, I think they play it at the darts, yeah. I think... But it's just, there's that one song he just plays all the time before we go out. And I don't know why, that's something I'm going to need to ask him. But yeah, um, 
They, so yeah, we've, yeah, of course we got that as well. Yeah, they don't <clears> trust um, Sweeney with the music. Then what would that be? That'd be a load of like Irish dancing, I imagine, wouldn't it? Uh, who? Nah, it's not. Piers. What are you talking about? The song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, it's not even a. It's like house music. Uh, it's it's a house music song, but obviously yeah. I'm not really into music, anyways. Yeah, let alone right. house music. Um. So I would I wouldn't really I don't know the name. I think I saw on his phone, but I don't remember the name, do you know what I mean? No. But it's like, yeah, it's house music, like slash electronic music. And it goes like That's um check Devate rapping on um my podcast, just to let you know. That's the yeah. Can can you just oh, do, can you do me a massive favor and just say that um, uh, Sam Stubbs has an awful taste in music, so that I can just use it as a bit of clickbait, even though you've said he's an amazing DJ. <laughs> uh, say what? Say what? Sorry, Sam. It's Sam, Sam Stubbs who's the DJ in it. Just say he's um, an awful DJ, so I can use it as clickbait. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, <laughs> Stubbs is an awful DJ. By oh the way. no, yeah. he's an awful DJ. <laughs> Bro, he's when... an awful DJ. He's, a... he's an oh, awful DJ. Oh no! I might have to use that as a bit of clickbait title. <laughs> <laughs> when was when was the first time you played at um, St James's Park? What was the first game? I presume you remember that. Yeah, yeah. First game was Scunthorpe at home, two 0 win. That was uh, was it? Sc... Yeah, it was Scunthorpe. Yeah, Scunthorpe, Scunthorpe. Because my parents came down for that as well. Um, yeah, it was Scunthorpe. We won 2 0. We played well. I played well as well. Uh, yeah, it was it was good to play at SJP. Um, of course. Because obviously it's in front of your own fans and it's a whole different buzz as well. And a whole different, just a whole different experience than playing away from home. Uh, you're playing the home kit. You know, you know that there's more eyes on you as well. And you know that you're expected to win at home, especially, and you're expected to win well. Um, play well so how were you uh, I enjoyed I was you know what's weird yeah playing at my first game at home was I was so nervous compared to my debut I was more nervous um, for that Scunthorpe game than I was for my debut which was weird to me do you know what I mean surely I was thinking to myself surely I'll be more nervous on my debut but for some reason, that home game, even the day before, I was so nervous. It was unbelievable that, and I wasn't, I wasn't that nervous for my debut as well. So, but I, I just think it's because you know that it's it's at home, and you know that that's where all the fans are, and you know that the turnout's going to be good as well. You know that there's going to be a lot of your fans, um, and that's why that's why I feel like I was so nervous for my home debut. Yeah, of course. And moving on from that. Um... We're just going to go into a bit about mental health in football. You, you yeah. obviously played that game in front of thousands of fans. St James's Park rocking, Big Bank presumably bouncing. I think, from thinking about it, the nerves were. I don't know how you feel, but if that was me, I'd feel nervous that if I have an awful game, I'm going to get slagged off by thousands and thousands of people potentially on Twitter. If I slip over and do an awful pass, Sky Sports will be retweeting that clip. Does that ever come into your mind or any of your teammates' minds? 1,000, 100% that gets in your mind. Um, I don't know about 
maybe if you've got more experience, you don't care about that. Do you know what I mean? So people like Piss Sweeney and, you know, like Jake Caprice, when you're older, you don't care. But as, as a 19-year-old, I was 19 at the time, um, of course, that's in your head. You know, what if I slip? You know, like Steven Gerrard, you know, when he slipped against Chelsea, what if I do something like that? <laughs> or, or what if I do a mistake that leads to a goal for them? Um, what if I have, what if I have a poor game? You know, all of that goes in your head. But um, the thing about me, and I think a lot of players as well, is once you just get out there and you know you get through the first five minutes and you get into the game, then that goes that goes completely out of your head. Then you're just focused on winning. And I would say when you back yourself as well, like I know deep down that I always I've always backed myself, but. Obviously, there's a lot of times you doubt yourself as well, um, and this is one of the times where you're thinking, "I'm actually, I'm actually good enough to play in this game. I'm actually good enough to play in front of the fans." Um, but once I got out there, you know, once I got into into the mood and into my game, I, I felt settled and I felt relaxed. I felt calm. Um, and when you when you feel calm, you don't really make mistakes. You just do what you're good at and you play to your strengths. Um, and I think that quickly just left my mind, you know, like the fans will be in there and social media and stuff like that. And, you know, the pictures get, obviously they record our games as well. Um, yeah, of course. So all, all of that, all of that just went out of my mind straight away. I'll be honest. Have you ever, um, have you ever been like, I don't know what the right, if there is a right word, slagged off on social media is. Cause one thing I found, obviously I've been on like Truro, Tiverton, all that sort of stuff. And it's, I've had negative feedback from like hundreds of people that I I don't even know and and they don't know me and it's it's such a weird thing to just like read it on Twitter. Have you have you experienced that yet? No, I've never I've never experienced any of that yet. Um no. but I know at some point in my career I'm going to experience that, you know, every footballer does. Um someone yeah. just slagging you off or like you said people you don't know just you know getting onto you and that's why, you know, I do... That's why, like, a lot of players tell me to not look at the Twitter comments as well or social yeah. media comments um, because, obviously, they know that fans are, are very fickle and they can turn on you quite quickly. Um, so, yeah. I don't really... I don't really like looking at comments a lot. Um, but, yeah, I know at some point in my career, yeah... Yeah, I'm going to be... I'm going to... Yeah, I know that I'm going to be somewhere that fans are just going to slag me off. Um, that that just happens, you know what I mean? You, you, you're always going to get that. That's what comes with being a footballer or being an athlete in general. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It is weird because I remember beginning of the season, Exeter, uh, they weren't doing too well as compared to where they're doing now. I mean, they were winning games. It was weird. And everyone just started saying, Taylor out, Taylor out. And I was like, what's going on? And now you're like, you're up there, you're chasing playoffs. Everyone loves him. And it's so weird, isn't it, how like fans can just change overnight. What do you reckon the reason is for that? You and know, that's, a- that's... I wouldn't even blame the fans for the way they are. Like The fans are the fans. They pay money to, to come watch us play. You know, they support us everywhere we go. Um, so when we're not doing the job and when we're not winning games and when we're not playing as well, they've got the right to, to be on our backs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the fans are probably the biggest part of any football club, you know. Without fans, football's not the same. So, 
that's just that's just even human nature. That's that's just how it is. Um, uh, obviously, not all fans are like that, but we're talking most fans are like that, um, and that's the reason. You know, I feel like fans are so invested in in the club, and they love the club a lot, um, and they just want us. They just want us to do well. Do you know what I mean? They want us to grow up. They want us to get promoted. Obviously, we've been trying to get promoted for the past couple of years now, and it hasn't been working. Um, we've been we've been losing in like the playoff finals and stuff like that. Um, so you know, fans fans can get tired as well. You know, they're human beings. They can get frustrated, just like the players can. Um, they can get angry. You know, sometimes. You know, sometimes a lot of the fans say things that they don't mean. So when they say Matt Matt Taylor out, it's just them. Um, it's just them. What's it called? Bringing out their frustration and their anger. Yeah, I, I guess it all starts with the manager, really, doesn't it? Like that, that's the one person you can sort of blame, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think they just they just want someone to blame, and they just want someone to 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 get onto. That's just that's just how fans are. That's just how football is. Do you know what I mean? But. The fans are the fans will always support you. It's just that when 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 you're not playing as good, when you're not doing your job, then of of course they're gonna get onto you because they want they want you to do well. So yeah. Yeah, of course. There's this um there's there is a massive like conception that footballers are like so happy and, and don't really struggle at all. They've almost got it all. You know, what what's your honest honest answer about this? That's yeah, that's the biggest misconception I would say. Um Thinking that footballers, of course, like I'm not, I'm not talking about League Two footballers, but when you look at Premier League footballers and Championship footballers, mm-hmm. some League One footballers as well. To be fair, some League Two footballers as well, they're on very good money. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, of course, like a lot of people have this concept or have this thought that if you've got a lot of money, then your life is good. Yeah, that you're a happy person. Uh, where, but but that's not all, that's not always true because you know you could be going through stuff. For example, relationship issues, financial issues. You could have addictions that are bad for you. You know, so maybe you're alcoholic or you're addicted to drugs, um, or just so many things in in life can go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Even if you got a lot of money, you could have lost a parent. You could have lost a, a close sibling or a close friend that was close to you, and it's been affecting you a lot. Um, and this is what they don't see, but also, the, you, you, I know, I think everyone's seen this, but you know the football iceberg thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's hard, it's, hard it's like work, all, success, and then yeah, all yeah. The stuff so they all of that, see. all of that, you, all the things you see is like the success, the fame, the money, sponsorship deals, contract deals, but then the things that you, the the things that you don't see is like the dedication. And the commitment and the hard work and the sacrifices that that have to be taken in order to be successful in football, um, you you don't see all of that stuff. Um, that stuff is all hidden. That stuff is all behind closed doors. Um, but yeah, that that's that's a big misconception. Do you know what I mean? Because even if you're a billionaire, it doesn't mean that you have a happy life. It doesn't mean that you're happy. Um, so yeah. Yeah, of course. And and I think that's why like I'll always be a fan per se and fans will always be fans because they, they see you come out, they see you play in front of the big bank, they're like, Oh wow, I'd love that. This is great. Like three thousand whatever mm. fans absolutely screaming, chanting my name. But they don't see 
you waking up early, getting to the cat and fiddle, putting in those sprint sessions, all all that sort of stuff. Like, and to be fair, if I didn't like ref at the cat and fiddle and like see the first team going on, I wouldn't have seen that. So I, I was lucky I saw that. And that's why fans will always be fans, I think, because like they'll admire players, but they'd never put in the work to almost replicate that player, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it's 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 t- um it's so much work. It's so much work. Um, I felt I feel like I've worked so hard my entire life. Um, but then you look at people like Ronaldo, and you're thinking he must have done twenty times more work than me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not even twenty times, a hundred times more because of where he is and the level he's at. Um, but yeah, they don't see us waking up, having to go to training, having to do the the gym sessions, the running. Um. Obviously, when we get when we pick up little injuries, how that affects us, knowing that we can't play, um, knowing that you're going to be out of the squad. Um, but also, I would say when I broke into the first team and I saw all the comments of me on social media and all the praises and you know all the I saw obviously I saw myself on Devon Live so much um, newspapers, local newspapers. Like it's it got to a point after a month I was getting annoyed. Do you know what I mean? It was just annoying and I just wanted, yeah, I just felt like I wanted to switch off and just sleep for, for like two days because it gets, it gets so tiring and this is what, this is what they don't see as well. But obviously I'm 19, I'm very, not 19 now, but I'm 20 now, but at the time I was 19. Um, and that's, that's, that's an experience I've never like experienced before as well. You know, people saying all these, all these stuff about you, praising you all the time. And you always see him praise praises about you on social media. It started getting annoying, um, and I don't know why. I, f- I think I just got tired, um, and it's very fatiguing mentally as well. Um, so yeah, sometimes you know when when you're playing, sometimes you just want to switch off, you know. Like so, when I'm at home, for example, I just want to completely forget about football and not even think about football. I just want to do other things. Do you know what I mean? Um, or when I go back home to London let's say, that's when I, I take my mind off football completely because football is very like, stressful on your body, especially, and mentally. Um, it takes a toll on you. Um, and the season's very long. You know, every season's long. You've got to do pre-season, then you've got to do a full season. It's very hard, you know, mentally and physically, but this is what fans don't see. And obviously, a lot of players like me, there's a lot of players in football that are living away from family. Um... You know, if you ask me when the last time I saw my grandma was, that was like three years ago. Wow. You know, and times like when my family go on holiday and I'm not allowed, I'm not able to go on holiday with them because I'm stuck here playing football. You know, they don't see things like that. Do you know what I mean? They just think, nah, he, he's living he's living his best life. But that's not really true, you know. What, why? Uh, this is a question I'm curious about. So say you picked up a little knock. It could be like a really little knock, but you're out for like a few weeks, right? If that was Sunday League, I'm, I guarantee the player like gets back up and carries on and all this sort of stuff. Why are they so strict with that? Just out of Strict with what? The amount of time it takes? Yeah. How, how do they work that out? What's the oh, process? So, obviously, you've got your physio, you've got your physiotherapists and they're like the experts. Um, and depending on where it is, you know, sometimes they can take you for scans. Um, and like, I think it's like it's got grades, so like grade one, grade two, grade three. I don't, I don't really know how it works. Um, but 
the reason they're strict of it is because they want to make sure that obviously you recover from the from the injury or whatever you've got, but then also it does it does have a knock on effect as well, or it doesn't get worse. Because um, right. let's say let's say you're out with a hamstring problem for four weeks, yeah, but then they try to rush you back, and then that and that ends up causing even more damage, which means you're out for twelve weeks now. You know what I mean? Whereas if you just ride out the four weeks and make sure everything's good, then you're you're good to go again. So it's kind of more like just not taking risks with the players. Um, because as we all know, when you get injuries, it can affect your career a lot. Um, so I, I think they just want to make sure that everything's calm and everything's good. But then also you've got certain injuries where you can play with it. Um, so for example, if you've got like a muscle spasm, um, it will never get worse. It will always die off. Um, or like a little bruise, it will never get worse. Do you know what I mean? But when it's like a hamstring problem, like a pulled muscle or a strain, that's when you've got to take your time and you've got to make sure that everything's good and everything's in the right places for you to come back. Nice. Right, so a few days ago, when this was announced, I put on my Instagram and Twitter some questions that my listeners um, want to know from you. Um, so we'll just finish off with that if you're okay with that. Um, first one, it, just some quick fire questions. What do you do in your spare time? And it's interesting because you say obviously you like to switch off from football. What, what, what do you tend to do? So in my spare time, um, normally on a normal day, every day I go to the mosque in the evening in Dexar. Um, it's like a 10 minute drive for me right next to SJP. <laughs> Um, I like to do that because I feel like it brings me a lot of peace mentally. Um, and obviously, if you do go to a mosque, you'll realise how quiet it is and how serene it is as well. Um, but also, like I said, I'm a Muslim and I like to pray a lot in my spare time. I like to read the Quran, which is our holy book. Um, and also, like, just books on my religion and stuff like that and increasing my knowledge on not just my religion, but worldly affairs as well. I like to read. A, I like to watch a lot of documentaries. Um, um, I like to watch movies as well. Um, sometimes I do go out for food with some of the some of the lads, some of the teammates, but not all the time. Um, in my spare time, really and truly, all I do is just rest and recover and eat, hydrate, and make sure I'm ready to go the next day. Um, it can get very very boring, um, if I'm honest. Uh, because most of the time I'm always in. The only times I'm out is when I'm at training or when we're travelling or when I go to the mosque. That's the only time I'm really out. Um, I don't do nothing like clubbing and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm I'm very like down to earth and I'm very like grounded, I would say. Yeah, nice. Here's, um, here's another one. What football team do you support? And you're from London, so it's probably going to be Manchester United, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Not Manchester United. Never that. Um, I'm a gunner. I'm an Arsenal supporter. Oh, wow. It's funny because the closest club to me is Millwall. Yeah. Um, I'll say the closest clubs are Millwall, Charlton and Chelsea. Um, and obviously Arsenal's in North London. But that's the thing about London. It's so easy to get around London that Arsenal's only like 25 to 35 minutes away from you on the tube. Um, yeah. So I remember when I was younger, we used to go watch a lot of Arsenal games with my with my father and my brother. 
and it was so quick to get there because of the tube. Um, and I think, yeah, my dad was an Arsenal supporter. My mother was an Arsenal supporter. So I was always going to be an Arsenal supporter. Nice. Um, and moving on from that then, what's your dream club to play for? Would it be Would it be Arsenal? Yeah, of course. After um, Exeter City, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, yeah, it would be Arsenal. But then you've got so many other clubs that, I mean, to be fair, I I would want to play in any Premier League club, any Championship club. I don't, I don't really mind. I don't. I wouldn't say there's a specific club, um, but yeah, like, there's so many big clubs in in England, especially um, that I would love to play for. Yeah, uh, just a couple more. Then, how vital is the Exeter City Academy? And uh, to be fair, I've seen how vital it is. But in your opinion, how how important? Um, yeah. It's it's a very good academy, um, and of course it's it's been very successful in the past, what like seven years, six years. Um, um, the coaches are very like, what's the word? Very hard working, yeah, with the young players, um, and they're very patient and they're very clear on what the young players need in order to break into the first team or in order to get their first professional contracts um and i think they build like good relationships with you as well so that you feel comfortable to come to them for anything that you need even if it's things off the pitch um so in my scholar when i had issues you know i was always i always went to like the academy coaches for help because i wasn't like we we had that relationship do you know what i mean they they're good at building relationships with you um but also just the way it's set up. So when you're under 18, every like Thursday, you're doing a session with the first team coach, Dan Green. Um, mm. And then also on top of that, you're, you're training with some of the under 23s that are on loan as well. And sometimes Matty even comes out to watch these sessions or to even join in and help in these sessions. So I feel like at XR, there's always, there's just opportunities everywhere. And, it doesn't matter how old you are, even as an under eighteen, um, you could when as an under eighteen, most of the time you're involved with the under twenty threes as well. Do you know what I mean? Um and it's a very like when you're at the training ground as an under eighteen, you always see the first team players as well. So you can always talk to them mm-hmm. and ask for advice and also build relationships with them as well. So it's the academy it's a it's a very good setup um over here at the academy. Nice. Two more then. What's f- first one of the final one? What's the best thing about playing for Exeter City? The best thing f- about playing for Exeter City. There's a yeah. lot of good things. <laughs> There's a lot of good things. Uh the best thing. Hmm. I would, I don't know. The best thing. The best thing. The best thing I would say like, but for any footballer, like it's just. I feel like playing for this club, you're you're able to to go out and play and enjoy yourself as well. Um, but also the mentality that the club the club has, you know, they've got a mentality that they just want to be successful. They want to win, um, and I think that's the best environment to be in a winning environment. Um, and in our change room, like the first team change room, all of us are winners. And I think I'll say that's the best thing. You know, you know, you're going out there with people beside you wanting the same thing as you. You know, you all want to win. 
we all want to get promoted and we all want to... In every game we play, we want to get three points. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the best thing. Um, but I think that's like, that's like a lot of clubs as well. Um, but yeah, just having that same mentality, that, that winning mentality, I would say. Nice. And the final one, and this might be a no because of religion, so apologies. But do you like chicken nuggets? This is asked every time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but every single time I post a poll up, this person just goes chicken nuggets. Yeah. I love chicken nuggets. Yeah. Oh, you but do. Obviously, um, as a Muslim, I can only eat halal meat. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you know what that is, but halal meat is the meat that Muslims eat. So, for example, Jewish people have kosher meat. We've got our halal meat, and halal meat just means um, the way that the 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 way that is killed. Um, it's got to be killed in in the name of Allah. Um, it's got to be killed in the name of God, and it's right. got to be it's it, it's basically got to be killed for God and for for nothing else. Um, and if if it's killed in the right way, then it makes it halal. Um, so yeah, I, of course I love chicken nuggets. Of course, um, I don't I like every every type of food. To be fair, like, I can eat anything. Are you allowed to um eat food like that? Um, being a footballer. Are they strict? Uh, you know, you know what it is, yeah. With with diet and stuff like that, it's more that like it's up to the player what he eats. Of of course, like they they tell us, look, you got to watch your nutrition, you got to eat properly, but it's all down to the discipline of the player. Um, and for me, nah, things like chicken nuggets, I don't even eat on a regular basis. Um, I I, I do eat very well, to be fair. Um, and chicken, well. Chicken nuggets ain't too unhealthy. Do you know what I mean? It just depends how much you have. Because, yeah, yeah they do have a bit of protein in them. And it is meat as well. That's what I keep uh, telling myself. <laughs> yeah. But, no, nah, they're not... Of course, they're strict with diet, but then it's it's your choice. Do you know what I mean? It's right. not like it's not like they're coming, knocking on your door and saying, and checking what you're eating every single day. Um, it's It's up to you. And I think as a player, you just know that what you eat will help you perform better. So mm. you just eat you just eat good anyways because you want to be able to perform good on the pitch. Yeah, of course. Well check, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, mate. It's been a very um, no worries. Yeah, been a very insightful conversation about almost the life of a footballer. Stuff of that I didn't really know and I'm sure listeners wouldn't have known. So thank you very much. Um yeah, I wish you all the best for the future. Hopefully we get promoted this season and I'll be following when I haven't got a game. Yeah, yeah, hopefully we've got, we got like 11 games left now, I think. So it's very crucial at the moment. Right, well, keep pushing, mate. You're, you're breaking in. Yeah, you're, you're of course, gonna, 100%. You've got, look, you've got a great future. Ed. Hey, everyone. Thanks, thanks so much, so much for, for on, listening mate. to episode six of the Online Disruptor. I'm sure you can all agree that Czech is a truly remarkable person, truly humble. He has, <clears throat> at the age of... 19 been pushed into the first team and experienced something that I'm, I'm sure most 19 year olds will never face the conversation was deep dark and honest and it truly opened my eyes thanks to everyone who's listened i'd love it if you could just give it a thumbs up a review um or leave it some feedback and i can't wait to share next episode next week's episode where i've got another remarkable guest coming on the podcast Thank you so much and have a great week.